Hello and welcome to this first episode of Leading in Truth. My name is John Brandt and I teach English here at Lutheran High School North. And in today's episode, I'm speaking with Brian Horvath about his use of procedures. At the beginning of the year, teachers use procedures to establish the culture of their classroom, to help manage the classroom behavior so that all of it works together so that teachers and students have an effective learning environment. So let's hear how Brian Horvath uses procedures in his classroom. So Brian, thank you for joining us in Leading in Truth. Let's talk today a little bit about classroom procedures. What are some of the top classroom procedures that you use as you as you start the year? Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Appreciate the invitation. Um, obviously, things are much different uh, 19 years into the profession. I would say that starting at the belt would be one of the, the foremost, most important policies and procedures that, that a teacher has. They assess the tone for the entire school year, that when you come in and the bell rings, we're going to start. So when you say we're going to start, the bell rings, we're going to start, what does that look like in your classroom? Uh, it means the students are done talking. Uh, normally there is some type of video, song, something up front that we focus on. And so, yeah, as soon as that bell rings, students are done talking and their attention is in front. They have a notebook out on their desk. They're journaling. They're writing things down, their thoughts, uh, whatever it may, may be. Uh, we, I, I tell them, uh, like, I'm a, typically a nice guy. I'll be a nice guy. But when that bell rings, we'll stop mid-conversation because the class has started. 2019-2020 school year, it's day one, bell rings. How do we go from there? Because while they may have heard what your procedures are like, how do we go from there to actually you know, getting that done? How do you accomplish that? Uh, it, it helps that the, the first week of school, I actually don't do the syllabus. I, I don't communicate the procedures. We demonstrate the procedures first. Uh, it's, it's a bad day if class starts one second after the bell, right? because that's how soon we start. Well, yeah, because if it's one day, one second after the bell, the next day it could be two seconds. Two, three, and then pretty four, soon five, you have this, absolutely. Pretty soon you have this mission creep, if you will, and yeah, now it's sure. five minutes later. And if you give them those two seconds or three seconds, four seconds, they will take it, oh, know, yeah. as, as, you, as you said. Yes, they will. Most of my... Procedures are all uh, revolving around minimizing distractions. If we can minimize the distractions, then we can allow for more learning opportunities. So as an example, one other significant policy would be the, the door policy. Um, I have one student who acts as essentially the, the, the bouncer of the classroom. The door is always closed. It's covered up, obviously. And if there's a knock on the door, the class continues. I, I, don't, I don't stop teaching. The students don't stop learning, except for that one student, the bouncer, who gets up checks to see who it is, takes the green pass, uh, walks it over to the student or to me, doesn't really matter. And, and there's no distraction, there's no interruption other than the fact that they heard the knock. And if I see the eyes go, which they're going to anyway, sure, so, right. so the they're, eyes yeah. shift, say, no, I'm, I'm over here, this is, this is what we're doing over here. Right. So that, that minimizes the distractions, which means there's more learning opportunities to take place. Well, and I also think it reveals, it gives the students a chance, an opportunity then to take a look at, you are the teacher, you know, you are the authority in the classroom, you're allowing the student to go to the door, and while he does that or she does that, you're still driving, you're still driving instruction or leading the class in whatever the lesson is. Do you, it'd be interesting, do you select like seating charts. We tell students they're random, right? Little <laughs> do they know. Right. We tell them the random, but do you select like, okay, I need a specific student or a kind of student that has the maturity to sit by the door and handle that, or is it just, hey, it's you and this is I, what you have to do? I trust the students yeah. to, to be responsible, mature individuals. If not, then they get fired. Um, but, <laughs> you're, but you're right, it's all chosen randomly, the, the seating chart. 
Um, but yeah, it doesn't really matter who it is. Like I don't like uh, Miss Jasky. I don't know who she is, mm-hmm. but she, she's a door person. She's the bouncer. She does uh, does a great job at it. Um, I've connected that to making up a memory quiz for okay. class. So if there's a knock at the door and you need to make up your memory quiz, you knock on the door. Student opens the door. You you walk in and you don't say a single word to me. You don't look at any of your classmates. You grab the memory off the absent board and you sit down at a desk, my desk if needed. You take your memory. When you finish it, you put it back in the, on the desk, and you walk out. You don't talk to me. You don't talk to your classmates. It's beautiful. I love it. There's a lot of order that occurs in that whole process. Um, how do you see that order carrying over to uh, the content that you're teaching? If there's, if there's disorder and there's chaos, then it's going to be difficult to, one, just to have their attention in the first place. But if their brains are all, all over the place, how in the world are they going to focus on the content to be able to learn it in the first place? Yeah, if there's disorder, just not even related to the content, right? There's sure. just disorder, physical disorder, yes. auditory disorder in the classroom. We're already in trouble. Brains are everywhere. Minds are everywhere. Yeah, it's Wait, not going no, to happen. But students think that they can, you know, right? They you can, multitask, I can read. Right? Yeah, yeah, I can multitask. <laughs> I can read and I can listen and I can drive my car while I'm on my phone and everything's good. Until the accident or you get pulled over and yes. so forth. Yeah. No, so I, I like that combination though that if there is, if there are any kind of distractions, they're going to get in the way of the learning. So you minimize the distractions. Right. So that's why we have the door person. That's why we start at the bell. That's why the, the memory is the way um, that it is in the, in the first place. All right, let's go with one more procedure that you really like. Well, connected to minimizing the distractions uh, is the, the absent policy. So that the student comes in if they were absent with their blue slip, and instead of walking up to me, communicating to me, hey, I was absent, um, I already know that you were absent because I marked you absent yesterday, and you're holding a blue slip, and now you're taking time talking to me, and I, I want to start the class period because we're going to start at the bell. Right. That's, that's the policy. So instead of talking to me about what you missed, you're just gonna place your blue slip in a little basket in front of the classroom and sit down. And I will, I will sign the blue slip later, or green slip or whatever color slip it is, and I, I will get that back to you in the flow of play. There's no distractions, there's no conversation between you and another classmate. You were absent, there's an absent board, so you can walk up to the absent board, see if something was missing. If you miss a piece of paper, you grab it, you sit down, Again, it usually sounds harsh when I'm explaining in syllabus day because we get that to that eventually. But the best case scenario is is you don't talk to me because the policies are in practice. I, I took this idea from you because I have students that will come in and they'll say, they'll give me the blue slip and say, what did I miss? When right. you were gone for three days, I have five yeah. seconds before the bell's right. ring or the bell already rang. And yes. now I've got to... Yes. I, I'm not good at that. I can't in 15 I, seconds catch you up on, well, let's start with chapter one of Huck Finn. I mean, I can't do that. And so when I saw that, I, I took the basket, put it in my room, um, and now they too know where the blue slips go. And I had a couple of students come in, and so we're talking about arguments for God's existence. You know, a student misses a day or whatever. is like, I just don't know what we're doing with the teleologic argument for God's existence. I'm like, well, the bell's going to ring in 30 seconds, and you want me to talk, you know, talk about this right now? Like, it's not going to happen. Well, and again, what... That, that minimizes those distractions. Yes. It shows your students that when you say we start at the bell, we start at the bell. We start at the bell. Are there other procedures that you use that help your students learn the content? How, how about a practice? Is it the same thing sure. as oh, a yeah, procedure? Yeah. Let's take a look at it. Uh, your desks are cleared at all times. Um, and there, there's, no, there's no leeway on that. You have on your desk what I've asked you to have out on your desk. Because obviously students like to come into certain classes and they want to do other homework for other classes 
and that's unacceptable. It's just disrespectful just to be doing it anyway in my class. But again, we want to minimize the distractions. We want you focused on what we're doing in Applied Christianity. And you can't do that when you have your books stacked up, you have other books that are open, and it's math or whatever the case may be, but we're talking about the existence of God. So when they come in, we start at the bell, their desks are cleared, they have a notebook out, it's the applied notebook, and that's that. And then afterwards, desk cleared, except for, and it's a handout or a writing utensil, whatever it is, and if there's something else, or if I'm staring at them, they get the picture, Something's on my desk. It's just a binder, Mr. Horvath. Yeah, but it's a, it's a distraction from what we're doing. Right. And well, and that's a good conversation that helps them understand this is a distraction. This is not my expectation. So what if somebody, somebody's out there listening they say, oh, I don't know. Those sound like really high expectations. And man, you, it sounds <laughs> sure. to me like you're going to be managing this kind of behavior and never getting to content. How would you respond to that? Um, once you put things into practice, everything flows nice and easy. Um, and because I, I, I repeat it, desk cleared, here we go, you know, kind of start, get with your partner. And if it's not done, you know, just walk over, I'll just grab the binder and I'll put it underneath their desk for them. And, and, and they get it, they, they understand. I think the, the order and discipline, the structure, whatever word you want to use, uh, I also use it uh, to demonstrate class content. So for example, we're talking about the, the design argument for God's existence. And, and I expect my, my desk to be lined up and situated in a specific way because I personally like the, the structure and the order and I don't like the, the chaos. Well, so too God is a God of order and structure and design. You know, so when the students you know, look at me and like, okay, I want the desk at you know, this location, like what is wrong with this guy? Right. It's like, well, look at the design of the universe. It's beautiful, it's complex. Um, these desks didn't end up where they ended up just on accident. Right. So too, if you look at the universe and God's creation, there's order there too. Some of them make that connection by themselves, and some of them struggle to, well, and you know, to do that. And then you help them make that connection. This is, is why we, we get paid millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So there's a parallel there between the order that you create in your class and then the order that we want to sustain from first period to second period to third period. Oh, absolutely, period. absolutely. As we close here, let's try this. I'll give you the sentence, you fill in the blank. A classroom that lacks procedures is one that. Lacks in educational opportunities. Help me out. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the more time that you spend hushing students, the less time is spent on learning. And if you're always hushing students, what does that tell you about your effectiveness as a teacher? Well, it tells me that the students don't really respect my classroom policies and they don't really respect me. If they're just talking over me the entire time, then, then clearly they don't have any respect for me or what's going on in the classroom, which means why are they going to pay attention to the content in the first place? Because they're, they're looking for me. They're looking to me and how I do what I do and, and how I say it. But if they don't listen to me and if they don't respect me, they're definitely not going to be paying attention to the most important content that we have. I think a lot of individuals that come into room 101 and maybe even listening to this might be under the impression that, you know, I'm a big jerk, I'm a, a big meanie right. you know, with this uh, rough exterior you know, sure. appearance or whatever. But it's just like that's how important those policies and procedures and that structure is. And it's, it's the same thing on the soccer field. And again, it sounds harsh, but it's not your way. We're not going to do things your way. We're going to do things the way that's best for the program or in this case, what's, what's best for the classroom it was best for student learning and you know that rubs people the wrong way sometimes but again to kind of reiterate we have a job to do and we're gonna get it done well and I think it also goes to the reverence and respect for the authority 
that God has placed in that classroom. So we stand right. in the, in, instead of the parents. We stand in their stead, and now we understand by the fourth commandment that there is an authority that we need to be able to establish. And there's a difference here between authority and authoritarianism. Absolutely. And for a lot of people, uh, a lot of young people, we might be the only structure in order and discipline that, that they get in their lives. So uh, some students like Room 101 order and discipline and structure because they don't have it elsewhere. Yet it helps them understand how to order their lives in a correct manner. And, and that takes us to learning you know, for life and leading in truth as well because obviously if you have a, a chaotic life and a chaotic systematic theology and you're all over the place theologically speaking uh, it manifests itself in all types of different ways um, in our lives i mean that connection between procedures and content and learning for life and leading in truth is exactly what we try to foster and cultivate here at north and it's one of the reasons why the name of the podcast is leading in truth thank you very much brian thanks for having me john